Get ready for more amazing stories, more inspirational stories to help you set your stories free. I created this podcast as a resource for Blacks, Asians, and those who love them to share stories and processes, as well as to build communities around important salient issues that affect all of us as humans. So on this show, you get to hear amazing stories from people like you who show us how to get more out of life. The stories featured here are by people whose journey I am partly inspired by, as well as challenged by, but most importantly, people whose courage and vulnerability have afforded us an opportunity to hear their life stories. And I hope you find them as inspiring. Now enjoy your show and don't forget to share this episode and the other ones. (laughs) Welcome back everyone. And today I have someone who reached out to me after I conducted a live show some weeks ago. So shout out to Kasia Hogard for um, actually making this connection happen, even though it wasn't quite direct. So today in the podcast, I have a wildlife photography of five years, and he's also a, a natural history connoisseur and also an, a, um, an art hobbyist. His name is Jonathan Middleton. And if you'll uh, if you check out his Facebook page or even as, on, on his Instagram, he has really wonderful close-up pictures of animals in the wild. And I can't wait to even explore just elements of his life and just everything that he's all about. So everyone, please join me in welcoming um, Jonathan Middleton to the podcast. Hi, Jonathan. Hello. Nice to meet you. <laughs> just, just call me Johnny, by the way. I feel old. Johnny. Okay. 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 I was going to, that's going to be my next question. Cause I, I think I recall Kasha calling you Johnny, but I didn't want to be, you know, so forward and, you know, but anyways, thanks for coming to the podcast. And I recall this is your first podcast ever. Yeah, this is a little yeah. bit for me, so. You're in for a beautiful ride then. So let's just start, let, let's start for those that don't really know you. This is where I get to ask you, you know, how you grew up, where you grew up, how many siblings you had and all that kind of fancy stuff. So tell us a little bit about you, Jenny. Okay, where do I begin? So for one, I have three older siblings. So I'm the youngest of the four, 35, 30, 32. Honestly, I forgot, forgot her verb actual age 26 and then me 24 i'm gonna be 25 this year in june um so i grew up originally in west haven connecticut so like it's like this southern portion of connecticut where it's like near like the shore lived there for like from like the day i was born to like maybe 10 i moved to middletown shout out to all those who are from middletown uh grew up there for like 13 years and I currently reside in Bristol basically uh so basically uh a town that's literally like smack dab in the state I'm in so it's like I'm kind of like far away from everything else which I don't mind because I kind of like the solitude and not interacting with too many people because people give me anxiety sometimes (laughs) but in any case um in terms of like my upbringing well, I mean, I grew up with both parents. Both of them are pastors, so they're a part of the ministry and stuff like that. So I'm a preacher's kid. But PK. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, but personally, as I gotten older, I kind of like deconstructed from that. Not to say that I don't appreciate the way my parents raised me and stuff like that, because I'm more than grateful. But, you know, obviously when you like grew up in an environment like that, you kind of you start to ask yourself like, why do I believe in these things? Things you believe in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it, this, do I believe in these things on my own accord, or do I, am I just like basically following the herd essentially? So rather than you know 
just doing things because everybody else is doing it. I'm like, Jonathan, you could be your own man. Do your own thing. Like, you're not hurting anybody. You're still a decent human being. So, you know, you don't have to believe in the exact same things that your family does. But, you know, you can still keep those values either way. Mm -hmm. Even if you do deviate a bit. But, but yeah, I mean, beyond that, I mean, I grew pretty comfortably in the suburbs. Like, I never had to, like, struggle or anything. So, okay. Okay, so the baby of the house. Yeah, I, <laughs> I actually like being the baby of the house because, like, even if I do like some of the dumbest stuff, that like my parents yeah. are like, eh, I'm gonna let it slide. <laughs> <laughs> and I imagine that the energy they had in raising your older ones, they probably it kind of dissipated with age when they had you. So it's like, eh, they became more chill. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the first and have two brothers. And I'll tell you, sometimes I wonder. I don't think we grew up with the same parents because my dad's energy definitely went down by the time they had the last one because he's a little bit spot. So um, just want to confirm, Bristol, is that in Connecticut or um, Virginia or Tennessee? Connecticut. Connecticut. Okay, nice. I've been to Connecticut once. I liked the, it. was um, Waterford. Um, Waterford. Waterford. Uh, yeah, I said at Waterford. It was quite beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I came in through Hartford, I think. But yeah, anyways, thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. It's one I mean, of the nicer towns in Connecticut. Oh, oh really? <laughs> yeah, it's so beautiful. Even the coastline, the water. I mean, it's it felt like entering into a storybook, you know. Um. Anyways, well, thanks for that introduction of yourself. So, in your, in your 20s, what would you say are some of your struggling, um, like your 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 struggles right now as a twenty something year old um, navigating just your life and you might even be something quite as um, you can extrapolate it to maybe the current climb you know being in the US or just your interests what are some struggles you currently face as a twenty something year old some of the stuff that I've been dealing with well yes. most of the, well the vast majority of the stuff that I've dealt with in the in the past have already been like rectified and handled so literally the only thing that I'm have to deal with right now is just basically being an adult living by himself with like two roommates. That's literally the only thing I have to worry about at this point. Yeah. Like, and again, your roommate. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, again, everything that I've dealt with in passing, I've already crushed it. It's behind me now. Like, obviously, I don't like just forget about it and just like, oh, you know what happened. It's more like, a, oh, okay, this happened. I'm yeah. going to practice these things. And, yeah. Oh, you know, here you are. And, uh, and I'm guessing I'm going to ask about my, about the roommate situation. Literally, yeah, one yeah. Of them I guess the people rough. you chose yeah. or people you just, I mean, I imagine I'm in college, correct? Well, n- well, currently, no. I'm currently okay. not in college right now. But okay. one of my roommates is my older brother, and the other one is a good, one of the few guy friends I have. So okay. it's like, so like, we're just, we all know each other. Okay, that's it's good. Like a, I was going to ask if it was something that was just, you know, like you, you were given a roommate because of, you know, college situation or you had to choose them again. No, not like that. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I, I want to probe a little bit about the um, the constructing part of it because I didn't really catch that during your bio. So, um, I, I mean, I imagine that it's a time for you to ask questions and eventually find your path. But what has that been like for you, especially considering the heritage you were born into? And how have your parents or even siblings been um, responsive of, or even supportive of this, your questioning path about, you know, the utility of faith in your life. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. 
because like I, like I'll have conversations about them and I'll talk to them about like you know some stuff that I'm like have like a level of skepticism about but I don't really go into details with them as much as I do with like let's say like a friend or my siblings or anyone else because it's like I don't know because like about like with parents sometimes if you ask them questions about the things that they teach you you, you, you run into that problem where sometimes it feels like sometimes they'll feel like oh like what did I do wrong as a parent and I'm like no I'm not I'm not saying that you're doing something wrong as a parent or that you failed me as a parent I'm asking you these things because I want to have a better understanding of it but if you're going to get defensive and upset with me asking questions without like you know whatever it's like I don't know. In the back of my head, it's like you're giving me more of a reason to do it. You're giving me um, more of a reason to ask questions, really. I see. But, I see. I, I mean, I can imagine how, even looking at both ways, because for your parents, to them, it might seem like maybe they missed a step, but for you, it's more like, this is me trying to find my path. You know? Well, that's a, well, that's the thing. It's not that they even missed the mark. Like, you know, like both, my, both sides of my family are religious, and, you know, obviously there are, they both are a product of their environments and stuff like that. And they're learning and growing as parents themselves. And like I said, I have a pretty solid relationship with my parents. Like every week, like I'll call my mom or dad. who's like, we like 30 minutes away and I'd be like, Hey ma, you know, I just want to check in, you know, blah, blah, blah. And literally tell them what's on my mind sort of deal. So it's, it's not like the relationship is like stagnant or bad. Yeah. It, like yeah. I don't want people to get that impression. I, I freaking love my parents. So it's like, Oh, that's good. That's good. I mean, I'm sure you, I hope, I do hope you find the answers you're looking for, but um, for you right now, what would you say, and I probably hate to put it this way, but just for um, simplification, um, how would you describe yourself? Are you more of an agnostic or just questioning or just, you know, it's open-ended um, for you? Ag- agnostic across the board. Well, it's more okay. of a, I, well, my stance is, is that, like, I don't know if there's a God or not, or okay. if there's, like, an afterlife or the supernatural, because... The thing you need to understand about me is that, you know, I'm a, I'm like a, like a science buff and stuff like that. I went to school for like geology and stuff like that, like paleontology specifically. I'm currently taking a hiatus, but I just wanted to throw that out there. Neither here nor there. But in any case, ever since, as a, ever since like childhood, I've always had like a, a curious mind wanting to learn about like why things are the way they are in the natural world, whether it's stuff from mm-hmm. the past or stuff currently today. So, obviously, with that scientific mindset where you're trying to, like, go where the evidence leads and coming up with a hypothesis and asking questions and trying to figure out the results, it's like, when you think like that, it's like, I don't know, for me, I apply it to, like, everything, including to, like, my, my, my religious belief, because, you know, during my younger years, of course, I believed in whatever the, my family believed in, because, again, you're a kid you're naive you're just trying to figure yourself out and basically your family's there to like teach you the way but you know again you get older you learn more about the world and it's like yeah hmm. yeah now everything that i'm being not everything but a lot of the stuff that i'm being taught it's like why why is it like this yeah and then and like you know like i don't know like sometimes when you have conversations with like with like religious people or like religious family members sometimes you fall into that slippery slope where it's like you ask these questions and then they feel like 
you're challenging them or challenging their beliefs. And I'm like, and, 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 you know, like, and even the more aggressive ones, they're like, who are you to question God? And I'm just like, (laughs) and I'm just like, uh, like, why not? I mean, why? I I feel like I'm a firm believer that people should question their beliefs and convictions Uh Because if you don't believe in your beliefs or convictions, how do you know that what you're believing is true? It's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Almost like you're testing a hypothesis. And I, and I totally can relate with you because I went through that as well. And mine was smack dab in the first few months of grad school. And it lasted for quite a while until I finally found, you know, the well, what I think is, it's not an answer. It's more like it's just, you know, um, an asymptom to an answer. But it's something that is really working for me. So from... From looking back now, I'll just encourage you to just, you know, keep seeking those answers. I hope you do find them. And I do agree with you. I think when we get defensive about our faith, we tend to put God in our own image, right? And there's nothing wrong with questions. I mean, there should be a space for questions, even the difficult ones. Not necessarily mean that you might find the answers, but um, just keep asking your questions. And I do hope you find your answers. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, exactly. And plus, you yeah. know, like, like, you know, like people, like, every, like growing up, I've always been told that like the Bible is like divinely inspired and infallible and stuff like that. So I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, infallible, you say? Well, in that case, you don't, I hope you don't mind me um, uh, probing this real quick. <laughs> but usually they, usually they don't, and I they get upset. So I'm just like, oh, okay. Well, obviously you got something to hide. <laughs> because like if, yeah. like if some, because if someone or something doesn't have anything to hide, then when people ask questions, you shouldn't be defensive about it. But like, if, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And it's, I mean, I don't have all the answers to even my faith as well because I'm I'm Christian, by the way. And oh, um, yeah, but I, yeah. Oh. oh yeah, yeah, I'm Christian, and I went through I went through your faith like exactly where you were and also being a scientist and having to ask all these questions i think what really helped me was um um c.s lewis i don't know if you know him he's a he's one of the greatest apologists of our time and he had more questions than any christian i knew and he was one that made me realize that i was okay to have questions because i grew up in nigeria as well where sometimes the faith is because religion sometimes might have an element of culture infused in it and there's always that deference to authority where we just tell you what to do when you do it. And then when it came to faith, it was almost like that. The more you kept asking questions, the more they looked at you like, are you possessed or something? Just go with it. And I'm like, no, I have this question. So by the time I left that environment, I moved to the U.S. And I was in this space where people didn't really care what your religion was. And it wasn't like, you know, everywhere. You, it wasn't in everything you did. It actually made me rebel. And I went the opposite direction because I had more questions and nobody was helping me out with them. It, it came to a personal encounter that kind of like um, the force was so great, even greater than my doubts and all the questions. And until you go through that experience, nothing anyone tells you would really, you know, push your inflection points, you know. So I do hope you keep sticking because um, I think there's going to be an answer for you. But thanks for sharing that. Um, I, I mean, I imagine that for you, you probably it took a while for you to get there. But I'm curious to know, was there anything in particular that um, shaped your decision to just start asking questions or it was just a natural flow of things given just how scientifically um, oriented your brain is? Um, it's basically the latter, essentially. There was no traumatic anime ba- sad backstory that made me like deconstruct and like, you know, yeah. go to this route. It was more of a again, just me getting older, me le- me getting more invested into my passions and then when like 
and like the more I got into it, the more I'm just like, okay, let's take a step back real quick. Let's look at everything that we've learned at this point about the natural world and about like things in general and then compare it to our like our religious beliefs yeah. and ideas and where they stem from. Do these things match? And I, I basically feel like a compare and contrast and seeing like which one has more evidence and which one is stuff that we can observe and test and make predictions on and models on and all this other stuff. And I look at it like I look at what like the, the other side of the spectrum. Yeah. And I'm just like, mm, that's not to say that like religiosity doesn't have like, you know, good okay, quality yeah. because it yeah. does it does but mm-hmm. at the same time it's and and then another factor is this the sexuality bit that's another thing i forgot to mention because i am openly bisexual i came out back in 2021 mm. was in the closet since like the sixth grade so you can kind of have an idea of like some of the emotional turmoil dealing going through my head where like on one hand i'm like well i largely prefer women 85 percent of the time anyways so it's like what's the problem but but it's like if i if if on the off chance i find a a nice handsome young lad i want to like uh you know have a long-term relationship with and like i just would want it where it's like it's not a big deal right but on the other hand when you're being told that like you know being queer is like an abomination or an affront to god and like you're gonna go to hell and you know they compare you to like these very evil things that like i'm not even gonna like mm. mention it. you kind of put mm. in the blanks but then you're just sitting there like wait so how is me having a romantic and or sexual relationship with someone who's either the same or the opposite sex how is it the same as doing those evil things that you're talking about yeah. kind of a weird kind of a kind of a it's like it's not even comparing apples to oranges at that point because at least apples and oranges are fruit it's more like yeah. comparing apples to cheese there you uh, go uh. <laughs> i know i know it's a terrible comparison but it's the best comparison to make but yeah like besides like the whole religious pressure plus you know like i said i'm a, I'm a pastor's kid so like obviously you know there's like expectations that people have about you. Yeah. yeah. And then on the other hand, one of the other things about me was like, Oh, well, what if women look at me differently for being myself? And then I'm just like, literally every girl or woman that I've like talked to and like dated and messed around with or whatever, like, they knew I swung both ways and they still didn't care. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> if anything, if anything, it would be the, the, some gay dudes that I've interacted with where they give me a hard time for it. It'd be your own people. <laughs> it'd, oh, really your, it'd really be your own people sometimes. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry you went through that phase where people, you know, I mean, talking about just your sexuality and making you feel less than, I, I don't think that should have been done to you. And I'm sorry you went through that. And, um, but I can definitely see how, you know, those struggles you had since sixth grade and looking at just the environment you were in and how you felt like there was no space for you mm-hmm. to even explore that or even, you know, um, create room to be listened to or even felt like you belonged there. And yeah. I think, yeah. yeah, yeah, that must have quite been, been quite a dicey situation for you. And funny that. enough, with the topics that you asked me to pick when it comes to like the gender roles thing, and I know, I, 
look, I jump from topic to topic. My apologies. I know it was it's like okay. The third it's your story, Johnny. Go it, ahead. It was it was the third thing on the list, and I thought we we're gonna do it all by like order, but I'm guessing I'm just gonna like jump around. I kind of like that <laughs> type of conversations, but yeah, with the gender roles topic, that was kind of another thing that I, uh, you know, had troubles with because besides the religiosity and whether or not you know, women would look at me differently. I'm like, there was a point in time where I hung out with, like, dudes, which is, like, kind of weird for me because most of my friends are women. But, like, anytime I, like, hang around with dudes, it's like, especially straight men, it's like, there's no sort of leeway to, like, like, I'll do things that are just, like, regular, mundane stuff. Like, stuff that's, like, not even, like, overtly feminine or, and they're just like, oh, no, you're gay. And I'm just like, no, I'm just, I'm just being myself. I'm just being myself here. And it's like, I don't know. It's, it's like, it's like in America, it's like, or this, we have this weird thing where it's like, if you're a man and you present yourself in any other way, that's not like, you know, traditional masculinity, like your, your masculinity yeah. is put into question and if you're like a queer individual like myself it's even worse like with women like y'all you guys you guys got a lot of leeway where it's like you know you could be you can you be can be friend. masculine and yeah yeah, yeah when you, you fluid be, your gender roles yeah. can be fluid without people giving you an eye yeah, yeah i exactly. imagine it's harder for a guy yeah 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 exactly you guys can yeah. be as feminine and, or as masculine yep. or as Somebody like in- i went through that as well yep I know what yeah, you mean. You could be, yeah. yeah, you could be like an in-between or however you guys want to, uh, like, you know, present yourselves. And your femininity and womanhood is never put into question. Meanwhile, if, like, with me, it's like, as soon as people figure out that I, you know, I swing both ways like a battle axe, it's a wrap. Like, everybody, you know, thinks I'm like this big old fruitcake. And I'm just like, no, I'm just comfortable with my masculinity. That's all. I just so happen to, you know like both sexes one more than the other but still and it's like i don't know like i said like i like as i gotten older i kind of got to a point where like i was comfortable like i i know who i am in terms of how i present myself so it's like i'm comfortable with my masculinity enough where it's like yeah i don't really like i don't know i feel like traditional masculinity is so limiting you know, where it's like, you got to present yourself in this one particular way. And I'm like, well, femininity doesn't have the, those sort of limitations. So why do we have this sort of limitations? Like, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, that's that's quite a... Um, a thought to consider just, and I think it also goes down to just the defined roles, right? Um, historically, men are supposed to be stoic, you know, the protector and, you know, have this stalwart figure. And then women tend to be supposed to have the softer, you know, the one that is protecting. And perhaps those historical roles have trickled down to what we have in society today. But um, it's in, in just seeing how, there's now so many dimensions to it and people being um, being free to express themselves. I think it's just really um, a matter of time where we maybe create some space, you know, um, to that. But there was something, um, um, there's a quote by C.S. Lewis that comes to mind about this. And um, 
I think um, I'm trying to, well, let me just try to see if I can recall it. It says something around the fact that um, it's arrogance in us to call frankness, fairness, and chivalry masculine when we see them in a woman. And it's arrogance in them to describe a man's sensitivity or tact or tenderness as female, as feminine. And um, so, again, I think both, because we, both traits can abide in one person. And sometimes one can tend to be more overexpressed than the other. It doesn't make you less off or more than, you know, but I guess at the end of the day is, you know, that freedom in expressing yourself and um, also giving space to your own personal growth and perhaps even surrounding yourself with people who can support you and nourish that um, growth in you. I think that's just what it's, what, what's my, um, my response to you would be in that regard. Right. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk yeah. about, I mean, you, you alluded to growing up privileged and um, you had a good life, it seems, supportive family. I'm glad to hear that. Um, but I think this would be a question to do justice to who you are as a person. Um, so growing up black in America, what was that like for you? Were they, and I imagine, I don't know a lot about Connecticut, but I lived in Boston once. And if you can imagine just how New England is, it isn't super, super diverse. But what was it like growing up with um, um, being black in Connecticut? Did you have any sense of otherness? Or uh, I imagine you probably went to school with a lot of people that were not quite like you, you know? In, well, in- funny, yeah, funny enough, in all the schools that I went to, there was a pretty sizable amount of black people. So it wasn't like I was the token black kid, you know, whatever. Ah, I um, see. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really deal with, like, any extreme levels of, like, racism until, I, like, I got a little bit older. And even mm. then, the racism usually takes the form of, like, microaggressions or whatever. Mm. Um, the subtle the, ones, the, yeah. The covert yeah. ones, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, they were definitely pretty covert. Because anytime I, like, interact with people or just do, like, regular shit. And it's, like, just, like, I'll hear, like, oh, you talk white or you act white. And... Like, I know that it's dumb. Even as a young kid, I was like, that's dumb. But at the same time, I'm like, why do people have this sentiment where it's like, you know, like I communicate with people and they're like, oh, you talk white, you act so white, like you're so whitewashed, like you're not black enough. And I'm just like, what you mean I'm not black enough? I'm black enough to block out the sun. Like, I, I literally stick out as like a sore thumb. Like, what you mean I'm not black? Like, it's, it's because like the way I like, communicate and interact with people like i'm sorry i read dictionary since i was five i can't help it (laughs) so i'm just like i don't know it's like it's like with white people when they say it's like okay don't flatter yourself you're not the only one who can have a coherent conversation it's like that's retarded and it's like with, with black people it's like why are you saying these things why do you have these ideas essentially where it's like like you're basically tearing your own people down by saying that right like i don't know because it's like you're basically feeding into like the racist ideas that people have been pushing onto us for the past 400 years since like Mm. you know my ancestors were brought here via the slave trades like they're literally just perpetuating those same racist sentiments that I'm like, even from the beginning, I was like, that's stupid. And like, and like, and again, it's weird because like in America, the black community, we're like, 
you know, we're not a monolith. We're full of diversity. But then as soon as a black person, you know, it grew up in a different environment or have different interests or passions or hell, even have different political ideas. It's like their blackhood is just like tossed out the window at that point. And it's like, it's like you say we're not a monolith, that we're full of diversity, but yet when people express themselves in a different fashion, you basically toss that diversity sentiment completely out the window. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, there, and it's like, there's no winning in terms of the whole "you're not black enough" thing, because it's like, if you are well put together, you take care of yourself, you don't cause any, you're like towing the line, as some would say, then again, your blackhood is questioned. But then, when you act like those walking stereotypes that, like, the media and you know the news and all that other shit, they like push onto us. It's like, oh well, he. Well, like, oh, he's the typical angry, violent black man, da da da. So it's like, there's no winning. If I toe the line, dude, and you know, and basically go a good path, and it's like I'm not black enough. But if I act out those stereotypes, then it's like, again, it's the the dangerous, angry black man. It's kind of like pit bulls, essentially. Yeah, it's you like can't win, you can't lose. Yeah, it's like do you do either you, 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 I mean, whether you do it or not, you're still gonna be looked at in a certain way. And I think it's probably I imagine that this is the part that actually stings the most because it's from your own people, right? Yeah, half mm-hmm. the time. I mean, with white people, it's like you know, like you know, dumb. You know, like they're gonna, you know, like some of them are gonna say some dumb, problematic stuff, and it's like you know, people like that, you gotta keep your expectations low, very low. <laughs> But, like, with black people, where it's, like, you, you like, again, it, it hurts because it's, like, damn, it's your own people that say... It's your own people, yeah. yeah it's, like, it's yeah. like, it's, like, your own people spouting these very self-hating ideas, essentially. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and going back to the whole self-hating thing, besides the you're not black enough thing, like, hell, like, I was made fun of for being dark-skinned, which is funny because I'm not even that dark compared to other <laughs> Oh, <people>. boy. <laughs> But it's like, yeah, you you already know. You already know. But <laughs> it'd be your own people that be cracking yeah. jokes about Sometimes, being dark-skinned. Yeah. Half the time, yeah. they'd be as dark as you. And, like, <laughs> some of the jokes that I've heard in my childhood, like, thinking about it now, it's funny. <laughs> but back then, that shit hurt. Like, literally one time years ago, this kid went up to me and was like, Johnny, you're so dark that when God created you, he was like, damn, I burnt one. And like, <laughs> that's not nice. <laughs> yeah. Like, looking back at it, it's funny. But like, at the same time, it's like, damn, that hurts. <laughs> that, that's not nice. I'm so sorry yeah, about that. That's like, not and, nice. And it, and it kills me because nowadays everybody's like, we love dark skins. We love dark skin. Dark oh, yeah. skin is yeah. the wave. But I'm just like, where yeah. was y'all at when I needed you? And it's like, yeah, right, like, right, yeah, and, and, and like again, when it comes from white people, again, some of them gotta keep your expectations low. But with black people, again, it hurts because it's like, where, where are you having these tearing each other down mentality sort of deal? And yeah. I, and I look yeah. and I look at it, and I'm like, okay, colorism been around for hundreds of years. Obviously, the idea that having European features, skin, yeah, 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 it's being more appealing than darker features. Like, uh, I understand why people have these sort of 
basically these very harmful ideas that we should like unlearn. I feel I feel as if like we should have unlearned this sort of thing decades ago, but unfortunately we haven't. And I'm just like, why do we still? Why do we still hold to the sentiment? I, I don't. I don't like that. I think it's, it's going to get better. I think it's going to, I think it's probably getting better with more, um, cause sometimes people don't even know what kind of, that they have that bias towards, you know, people of their own race. And I think the more you maybe even expose that to the light and hopefully you have that kind of spirit that is teachable. So I'm, I'm quite hopeful that it's going to get better with the internet and, um, just, uh, social media as a whole, spreading this awareness and even maybe through, through this podcast and talking about just how um, your experiences have been. I think with time, it will get better. I, I think there's, there's been a lot of improvements in that regard as far as just understanding that sometimes this thing, the, the, the worst part of this thing are the ones that, you know, hits close to home, like from your own people saying things like, oh, you're not black enough or you're not this enough, you're not that enough. Yeah. yeah, and and when yeah, it came yeah. to like my and and like when it came to my uh, my self image and like how I viewed myself as a person, for the longest time, I because of those jokes, uh, well, jokes, quote unquote, because they weren't like it may be a joke to someone else, but to me, like you know, it obviously like makes you question your existence essentially. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, like for the longest time, like I, like I felt. Like, because of those, like, you know, like those uh, dark skin jokes that I got, I basically hated looking at myself in the mirror. Uh, like, yeah, that's how bad it was, where it's like... How like, old were you then, Johnny? It was like, maybe like 12, 13, mm, 14, 15 years old. I'm so old. sorry you went through that. And I felt mm. so ugly. I was like, I, like, mm. my, like, my mom was like... Johnny, why would you not look at yourself in the mirror? Mm. And like, I, like I explained mm. to her like what was going on, and like she told me about how when she was in grade school, when she was around my age, her, her too, she was targeted for being dark skinned And keep in mind, my mom's like fifty six, fifty seven years old, so this was like during like like way yeah, back. I'm quite a while, <laughs> you know, like eighties, nineties, seventies, and stuff like that. So I'm just like. Yeah, I already know she probably had it worse and being overlooked by all the guys in school for being dark skinned. So like when she shared that with me, I felt like I had someone who I could like who could empathize with me and I can talk to without being like, Oh, Johnny, they're just cracking jokes, like like you know, like get over it, it's fine, it's not a big deal, people have it worse or whatever. Which to me comes off as kind of callous and cold and apathetic. Where yeah. it's like I'm, yeah. I'm opening up to you about something that's very deep and meaningful, and rather than you know giving empathy and compassion like a normal human being, you basically just downplay it, and it's like <sighs> I know that people have it worse. Trust me, I know. I've heard. No, but still, this is your experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like yeah, like, yeah, it's like your experience. people have told me. Yeah, exactly. Like people have told me stories where I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Now that's really a sad anime backstory. But at the same mm. time, though, at the same time, it's like the experiences that I'm dealing with are still there. And it's unrealistic yeah. for me to just be like, well, people have it worse. So whatever issues I'm dealing with, I'm just going to put it in the back burner. So even if I have several arrows through my back and a knife through my heart, I'm just going to like ignore all of that. Because the person next to me literally has barely recognizable because of how burnt they are. Like, just as an analogy, essentially. 
thanks for sharing that. And I mean, I think what you're doing as far as just even talking about this is raising awareness about that issue. And I imagine that the 12 year old journey and the 20 something year old journey, you, you've, you've grown a lot. And I hope that whenever someone, you know, um, raises that kind of voice at you, you're able to dispel it and, you know, correct it right away because that's not who you are. You, you beautifully made and you're, the way you look, you can't help it. I mean, you were born that way. And it's more actually also before those me why we tend to want to look at people. I mean, the way you're born, the way you come out of your mother's who heart, you have no saying over that. It's just how you're made. And we have different people around the world. Imagine if we all look the same way. It's going to be so boring, right? So Yeah, kind of, kind yeah. Of, it, it kind of gets boring and stale at, at, at a point. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, and for me, it's like, it took me years for me to basically get myself out of this cloud, so to speak, where like I was able to be like, damn, Johnny, you look good as hell, chocolatey self. You know, I, I, had, I basically had to like lift myself up because I didn't have anyone to do that. And for the longest time, I and, and you know, this is going to go to like some real deep stuff here. But during like like in high school like senior year specifically, I had this weird conservative phase. It was really weird. It was like around the time where like Trump was getting elected and I was like in this weird conservative phase and stuff like that. And I don't know why. And and at the time, obviously because of like that self-hate that I had and some of like the insecurities, I, for the longest time, had like a resentment towards like other black people, excluding friends and family. This was just like anyone who's not related to me or that I was cool with. I had like this in the back of my head, like this resentment. And it was because of the insecurities. And, you know, like mm. I remember one of my best Projecting friends. That. Time, mm. Yeah. And one, and one of my friends, she, who she isn't black, but she told me to like, you know, Johnny, it's okay to like stick up and like defend your own and love on your own. It's like, because like, like if you're like in a situation where you need help, it's usually going to be your own people that are going to help you out. And I'm, and I was like, yeah, that's all well and good, but how can I defend and love on my own if my own don't do the same thing for me? Like you're talking about the same group of people who literally made their own, AKA me feel like I'm like an ugly piece of trash that shouldn't exist. And, you know, I should lighten myself up or, you know, make myself more black enough. Like, you know, stuff like that. I'm just like, why should I do that? Why should I go out of the trouble to help out my own when my own makes me feel like I'm an outcast? And I felt like this. But let me just let me let me pause it a little bit and say that I I agree with both of you because the same people who have hurt you are the same people who have embraced you. So there's some wisdom in what your friend is saying. It's just making sure that you're surrounding yourself with the right kind of people because there are good people everywhere, regardless of their skin color. You know, people are people. You know, regardless of their skin yeah. color and Perhaps, and I imagine that the people who have done so much good to you, let's just maybe divide them into blacks. Like, let's talk about the blacks in your life. People that you've encountered, you've had with black people. I dare to say that you've had more positive ones than negative ones. But because we tend to always remember the negative ones just because of how they make us feel, hence what is called the negative bias, that stays, stays with us longer. But I dare to say that, you know, you the, the healing you require as far as you even embracing this part of you and, you know, healing from that totally would actually come from that embrace of the same people, category of people that have hurt you. Not the same specific person, 
but at least, you know, just giving yourself that space to be embraced by, you know, your fellow black people. So I agree with your friend, but I also agree with you as well. As far as that self-preservation, that's why I'm cautioning you to make sure you're looking for the right supportive, positive people. Yeah. And, uh, the ones, and like, despite the fact that I was like in a state of like resentment for a bit, the one thing, and I know Mm -hmm. this is kind of corny, but one of the things that kind of made me loosen up and like lighten up the heart, so to speak, was I was watching an episode of the Boondocks, right? I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Uh, it's like oh, American. I know Boondocks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, the, yep, yep, yep. So, I, I really yep, miss so it. The, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Yeah, so in season one, episode two, there was the R. Kelly episode. Right? <laughs> and, and it was the episode where basically they, where oh they had gosh. the trial. And there was a, a lot went of to black court. people. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, there was a lot of black people who were defending R. Kelly, despite the fact that he, well, is a king figure. Yeah. And uh, you got Uncle Ruckus, yeah. who was playing chess with Robert, the granddad. And yeah. the, he was basically just spouting like this self-hating stuff. And basically the takeaway from the episode is, is that you should love and like protect your own people, even if they say and do things that you don't necessarily agree with. Where it's like, rather than just like abandoning them and tossing them to the wolves, you take the time to be patient with them and love on them and be like, hey, you know... Like, you know, my, my dark skinned brother in Christ, these ideas that you have, they're, they're not giving like these ideas you have are based on like hundreds of years of like systemic racism. Like we, we can't know. And then like with the R. Kelly thing, it's like, yeah, there are plenty of black people who've been arrested for crimes that they hadn't committed, but R. Kelly ain't one of them. And the fact that he has multiple victims underneath his belt, rather than defending him simply because he's black, you should, you know. Toss him, yeah. toss him to the yeah. cell, so to speak. So again, like that's one of the things that kind of made me loosen up a bit in terms of like the resentment I had, and I went to therapy for it too. So it wasn't like good. I was dealing with it by myself, but good, good, good. Like I was able to outgrow that whole resentment thing, and it's so much. And like I, I became so like in tune with myself that like even with like my artwork, the vast majority of art pieces that I've created thus far, most of my characters are black. A lot of them are dark skinned, but some of them aren't. But it's like, you know, like, you know, obviously I want to take something that I was insecure about for years and make beautiful characters. I found something. So it's like. That's that's really amazing. That's really, really amazing. Let's talk about your artwork and also even your wildlife photography. Your pictures are really great, Johnny. And what inspired, I know you have a background in geology. What inspired you um, to go into that? And um, yeah, and where do you get your pictures? Do you like go into the wild and sit for a while and then come up with the pictures? Like, how do you go about doing it? What's a day in the life of a wildlife photographer? Okay, well, Interesting questions. Okay, so the funny thing is, wildlife photography wasn't something I've always wanted to do. It was more like in it was more like a hobby that I was introduced to that I just took with it and ran with it essentially. So when I was in school, originally I was a geology major at, uh, with my specialty being paleontology. So like fossils, that's that, it's, it's still my thing. By the way, it's just you know obviously I'm not in school at the moment. But in any case, um, when I was doing some internship, when I was doing an intern, a paid internship for Yale, for the Peabody, they wanted me to photograph some fossils that they found in Morocco. And this is like a brand new fossil dig site that they just uncovered. So, and like this, it's one of those fossil dig sites where the fossils were like 
really well preserved by the uh, by the way so like animals that normally wouldn't become fossils they 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 were and they were like in exquisite detail so i worked with them and i photographed the fossils for them each one i i think i photographed like five thousand out of the eight thousand that they brought hmm. from morocco so you know and like I had a bit of a, a history and a relationship with the professors that I was working under, so it was kind of like a good way to basically expand, expand in terms of like me being like wanting to be like a paleontologist and stuff like that. So basically, me photographing the specimens was kind of like that jump waypoint for me doing photography. At first, when I did photography, it was with an iPhone and. I didn't really have a focus. It was more of a, I just photograph whatever I found appealing at the time. But then as I, you know, as I, you know, over the years when I started to like, when I actually got a camera and I started to like take walks, like long walks, like three hour long walks in like the woods or like a wildlife park or anything like that. And I'll just like photograph like whatever I, I spot. It just got to a point where it's just like, Johnny, obviously you want to become a professor or like an educator of some sort. It's not a grade school teacher because no, they don't get paid enough and uh, just no. Be a college professor. Be a college professor, Johnny. And I'm like, <laughs> bet. So in any case, like, you know, I, I, you know, like I would go out in walks or like in the wilderness and like photograph stuff and... It was like, Johnny, you want, you, you, like, remember what you said many years ago where you said that you wanted to basically share your love and passion for the natural world and science with other people? Maybe we can use this as an opportunity to do that, where you basically, cat mm. where you basically go around photographing things and you give information about the things that you photograph. So it's kind of like, so like my Instagram page that I followed you on, the John Naturalist one, Yeah, it's basically like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's basically like a field guide or like a, a Pokédex mm. entry, so to speak, because I am a big fan of Pokémon. So I was like, oh, okay, I could do something <laughs> like this. I could basically, you know, <laughs> you know, do what I do with video games with real-world animals. Yeah, I could do that. And uh, obviously I have, like, this app that I use to identify every animal, plant, or fungi that I, like, photograph. So it's like... Nice. So, like, I keep tabs on everything. And so far... Over the five years of me doing this, I photographed a total of like six hundred plus species at this point. Most where'd you are get brand. them from? Um, wh like what? What do you mean? Where I get them from? Like you just you like travel around to get pictures, or uh, just, yeah, you, well, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I've photographed are from Connecticut, and and then there are other stuff where you know, like because like I've done two solo trips solely dedicated to wildlife photography. So the first trip I took was in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I even went to the Everglades, and this was back in 2021 of December. So oh, that was beautiful. one solo trip that I've done. And then the second one I did, which is one of my personal favorites, um, I went to California, Santa Ana. So like Southern California. I went there last year in uh, August of 2022. Um and, you know, I'm continuing doing solo trips as I go. I'm still trying to figure out where I want to go this year, but I feel like South Carolina might be a potential option because, one, there's fossil dig sites there that I can, like, look for fossils and stuff like that, which, it, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, kill two birds, one stone. And, you know, number two, I, you know, of course, the wildlife photography thing. 
Um, I don't really have a focus when it comes to my photography. It, it's like, as long as it's not human, I'm, I'm going to photograph it sort of deal. So, okay. But yeah. That's, that's quite like interesting. Said, hmm, say that again? I said, that's quite interesting. Do you get paid for these or this is just like a, a hobby for you? Oh, no, no, no. This is a complete, this is like my own independent project slash hobby of mine. Like, I'm not yeah. getting paid for this. That's not to say that I haven't been paid for it before because, like, I, there was a wildlife rehabber who I've worked with before, and, like, she had, like, some animals under her care. I photographed those animals, too, and then, like, you know, like, like a few interactions later, she, you know, she paid me for, like, my services, which was nice because it was, like, yeah, you know, like, I do this because I enjoy what I do. I don't do yeah. this for monetary gain. But the fact okay. that you're willing to contribute to my cause is really nice. I even, have a friend in a, yeah, I even have a friend from Australia who took some pictures of animals that, she, that he, you know, bumps into in, in uh, the land down under. And, like, he was sending me some pictures to, like, basically contribute to my project. So, like, you know, and I even give them credit for, like, the pictures where it's like, oh, you know, there's this Australian animal that my friend found, and, like, I'm giving information about it. But, like, this isn't my own picture. This is, like, my friend's picture sort of deal. Yeah. But, yeah, like, I mean, the vast majority of the pictures I've taken on that Instagram account are mine, but some of them, a a good chunk of them are from other people who are, like, from other parts of the world or, like, people who wanted to, like, basically want to pitch in with what to I want to do. Your data and all that things you're doing. It's quite interesting. Yeah. Earlier on, you talked about taking a gap from school for a while, right? You're yeah. on a gap year? Yeah. Can you maybe explain what that really means? Because we have a lot of listeners from all of us who might not know the implication of that. And then um, how long is your gap for and what do you intend um, doing this mm. time to kind of help, you know, facilitate your learning experience? Well, there was some stuff that was going on prior to me taking. Do you want to talk about it first? Do you want to? This is something you want to talk about? Yeah, I can go into deep. I can talk about it. Okay. Um, I don't know. There was like some stuff that was going on. I mean, between having a bit of a, I don't know. Like my mental health was kind of like declining at that point Mm. with like COVID and stuff, and I wasn't. I wasn't in a very healthy relationship at the time. It was, like, very toxic, and it just eventually became, like, abusive, which kind of, like... And it's not to say that, like, I'm blaming the relationship. It was more like it was one of those factors, and, like, I don't know, like, like when I was, like, between, like, the depression and, like, the relationship and, like, COVID, I kind of, like, lost interest, like, gradually with some of the stuff that I was, like, I spent years investing my life into. And eventually I started to, like, lose myself a little bit. And I just decided to, like, take a hiatus from school just so that I can be able to, like, get back to myself. And I have. And I definitely plan on going back into school down the line. It's just that obviously with, like, with me having my own place now and me trying to pay off whatever I have to pay off as of currently, it's just, you know... It, like, so many things, yeah. 
Yeah, it's not that, like, my passion for the natural world and, like, paleontology or anything of that sort have died. It's never went away. Like, I'm a type of person where, like, if I invest into something, even if I take a break from it, that love for it is always going to be there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even though I'm no longer in school, I'm still holding right. in on the things that I enjoy outside of it. So. When I was in school, I mainly spent a lot of my time with, like, geology and earth science-related stuff. But now that I'm out of it, and, you know, I've gotten more into biology with, like, with the wildlife photography. So it's like, you know, when I get back into school, I might have to change my major from earth science to biology. The goal of being a paleontologist or just any natural science scientist is still there. So, like... You know, being a professor or a curator or like an assistant professor or a researcher, either of those things, whether it's paleontology or, you know, zoology or evolutionary biology or any of or anything that has to do with living things. The goal is still there. It's just obviously I'm just branching off in a different direction with it. If that makes sense. Thank you. It does. It does. And I appreciate your candor about that, especially speaking to the space you needed to take to take care of yourself. And um, you've talked about this twice now. Just I think you mentioned therapy on and also talking about you know, your mental health. And I really um, applaud your your openness about giving, you know, your blackmail as well. And we know how that's kind of not something talked about in those circles. So thanks for your candor about just the importance of mental health and um, seeking therapy when we need to. I appreciate that journey. Yeah, and, and like, it's not like I had to do these mental health stuff alone because, you know, I have family because, like, mental health does, like, mental health stuff does run the family with, like, bipolar disorder and, like, mm. depression and, like, anxiety and stuff like that. So stuff like that runs in the family. So, like, it, because I'm not the only one, I have, like, a support system where it's, like, Johnny, you're not being yourself right now. Like, are you you, are you doing anything to, like, help you? Like, is there anything you can do that's, like, therapeutic? Are you talking to a therapist? And, you know, like, I've had, like, I have people in my corner. Hold on, my uh, phone's about to die. Um, and it's okay. plugged up for some weird reason. Hold on, let me talk. Okay, no worries. No worries. I'm, I'm talking as I go. But, okay. But like I said, and, 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 you know, besides having, like, people around me to, like, basically support me and stuff like that, um... Again, like I, I like when it comes like in the United States or in, in a lot of developed countries like Canada, Japan, Korea, and a lot of countries in Europe. When it comes to like mental health and like men, I feel like men t- seem to do seem to deal with like mental health issues. Like we, we get the short end of the stick. Like mm. people who deal with mental health issues don't get the help that they need to begin with. But when it comes to us, it's like like hey, you know this really really short cram. Well, here's another. Well, here's an even more shorter crane, and it's like, oh, okay, I can barely use this. And obviously, like the suicide rates is very, very high. Higher like, now, yeah, yeah, high yeah. as high as hell. So it's like, with that being said, I'm just like, yeah, I'm not trying to to, to die. I don't want to die, and and stuff like that. And like when it comes to like men opening up about their problems and like some of the stuff that they deal with, it just you know, being emotionally available for me, it's not that I have a problem with opening up to people because again, I'm an open book. I literally share with you like a lot of, a lot of stuff at this point, but I appreciate that by the way. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. But 
the thing is, it's not it's not that I have a problem with opening up to people in general. It's about who you open up to. Because, like, at this point in my life, my circle is pretty small in terms of friends. Obviously, I got family and I got two very goofy but lovely pit bulls. But in terms of, like, <laughs> friends, I only have a handful of them. Most of them are women. Because, like, I feel like with women, I can open up to them more than I can with a guy friend. Not to say that I haven't, but, you know, it's just a, a anecdotal trend that I've noticed. Um, but yeah, like when it comes to like having a support system to talk to, like I only have like a handful of friends and those friends that I do have, it's like, I literally had to weed out some people, including my ex-girlfriend, because Mm. my ex-girlfriend was not one of those people who I could like open up to because it's because it, because in my experience of like being in that relationship, it was either I I'm transparent about what's going on with me or how I'm feeling. And it's either gaslighting, downplaying the people have it worse or I have it worse. So let me make it about me or basically victim blaming stuff like that. So it was, it was like, yeah, like, so not everyone you can open up to. Not saying okay. that you shouldn't open up to people at all, but there are just some people that you just shouldn't. Or at least, or at the very least, it's like, you know, like, test the waters with them, and if they prove Before themselves worthy of you to open up to them, then you yeah. do it. But if, and I feel like it was kind of, and I feel like that relationship was kind of one-sided, because it was like, she asked me to communicate and to open up to her about stuff. But then when I ask her to reciprocate, it's like I'm it's like I'm freaking pulling teeth. So it's like, okay, like you're asking me to do these things that I have no problem doing or if or, you know, I may have some issues with it because, you know, sometimes I have difficulties communicating because, you know, sometimes I can't tell people what's going on with me right off the bat. Sometimes I got to like take some time to think about and carefully plan out what I what my thoughts are and then explain it with her it wasn't like that it was just straight up you know like hey babe what's going on and it's like nothing and i'll ask and i'll ask and i'm like hey i know something's wrong and she's like and she's like stop crying me or stop pressing me i'm like i'm not pressing you you're obviously not you're obviously not feeling 100 percent. so I, I want to like figure out what's going on so that I can help you and maybe give you comfort or like, come up with solutions depending on what it is. And then when I like give up and I'm like, okay, well, I'm not, I'm done chasing after you. Like I'm, I'm not. And it's like, see, you don't care. You don't care about my feelings. And I'm just like, Ugh. see, and, and, and then I get told that my communication skills are poor. At least I'm going out of my way to be like, Hey, are you okay? And then it, again, it's like that, that, that stonewalling. And then the lashing out. So, yeah. I see. I see. Thank you. Thank you for that. Now, um, finally, it would be your, uh, I mean, 25, correct? And 24. So, uh, 24. Yeah, I'm 24. Okay. Yeah, I'm okay, going to be 25 well, in June. Well, happy birthday in um, advance. June when, by the way? June the 13th. Oh, that's my daughter's birthday. Oh, that's it. Oh, yes, really? yes, oh, yes, 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 yes. Twinsies. A fourth person with the same birthday. That's funny. Yeah, that's my daughter's birthday. Yeah, yeah. So, um, good to know. Uh, so, you were born in 1999 then, right? 
endangered species. And I can imagine just you being um, interested in biology and geology. Those are the things that are really, really important to you. So thanks for that reminder, Johnny. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. So finally, where can people find you? And if they want to learn more about you, your work, he, your, I forgot to even mention about your artwork. You draw so well as well. So where can people find oh, you? Oh, you just my heart? About you? My heart. <laughs> of course, I have. I have. I have. Oh, I had to do a little bit of digging about you. You draw so well. And I can see you're very much interested in anime as well. So cool work. Yeah, I've been a yeah, big anime yeah. buff since I was a kid. So I can't, you know, I'm a big. That, why do you think I have the kimono and the and the Buddhist prayer? Yep, because I, I, I could just tell. Love I could tell. I could tell. Yeah, I just I love could tell. Asian culture. Yeah. I but could in tell, any could case, tell. in in terms of places that you can find me, um, you can find me on Facebook. I have a main account, so I literally everything that like I do is all posted on my main account there isn't a second account so like literally all my art all my photography stuff all of the memes and all the like goofy stuff that like i share all there just jonathan in his raw form and then instagram i have two of them the main account is chin alpha 13 so it's s-h-i-n underscore alpha 13 Again, really weeby anime type stuff. That's that's yeah. how I got. It's literally my gamer tag, by the way. This I is see. Like Instagram account is my gamer tag. I see. And then I see. the photog- yeah. So then the photography account is John underscore naturalist. So it's J O N, not J O H N, J O N naturalist, and that's yeah. it. And you and, and cool. you can. And, and you know that you okay. find my account because the because the profile picture is yellow and it has like a wasp and then like some flowers underneath, basically like a old style like field guide cover sort of deal. <laughs> nice, nice. In Korean, the word Shane means God. Is that the same in Japanese as well? Hmm? Say that again. In Korean, the word Shane it means God because your username is Shane underscore Alpha, right? I'm saying is oh. that the same meaning in Japanese, um, right? Actually, no, it's a Japanese one. With Shin, it means either new, like new, uh, the true, like true or the evolved, whatever. I actually oh, got the nice. title I because mean... I, yeah, so I actually, it's, it's funny because like I got the title because I watched a Godzilla film, big Godzilla fan, by the way. Uh, and it was same, literally, same, same. And the title of the film was Shin Godzilla. So when I looked up what Shin means, it was like, oh, the new, the evolved or the true Godzilla. But but honestly, I'm a bigger fan of the evolved, uh, the evolved title because it's like okay, for one, you know, you're obviously growing and constantly evolving as a person. Number one, and number two, well, two, it's because like you know, obviously the whole biology stuff and me being like a scientist, yeah. like you know, yeah. you know, and three, it just sounds cool. I'm sorry, it just sounds cool. <laughs> so it's just like it's just like multiple different things that are like chef's kiss i'm using this as a title okay. and then the alpha bit i'm i don't think i'm like I mean, an alpha yeah. male or whatever i'm not like an andrew tate type dude you know it's just it's just cool i just like the aesthetic no you don't but have yeah. to explain all of that it was just a sheen that um took me a little because i speak korean and sheen in korean means god i just went because and then it was alpha so i wanted to see if there was a interplay because sometimes japanese words um korean words sometimes have some similar meanings in japanese as well in any event, oh, okay. Johnny, it's really been a pleasure talking with you today. Um, just exploring your interests, um, your life experiences, and you know, just your uniqueness as well. And I thank you for being very forthcoming about the questions I was asked, and very much so for your time on the show. Really means a lot. Yeah. Thank you so much. 
Yeah, no problem. I had a lot of fun with this. Like, I should, I should do something similar to this down the line. I really you appreciate you taking your time to like have me on here. Thank you. Of uh, course, of course, of course. Well, everyone, this was the show with Johnny. Don't forget to catch more episodes on the Morisable Podcast. I remain your host, Mo. Catch you guys on another episode of the Morisable Podcast. Take care. Bye. So, Johnny, I'll let you know when.